0: welcome back to the move podcast we appreciate you tuning in i'm jb hager and i am more importantly joined by johan Brunil and spencer martin to take a look at this year's dauphiné dauphiné liberé and uh what a great race we'll get right into that and in a dominant performance a dominant performance from one particular writer if you didn't see it uh, but first let's check in with lance with
1: some of our partners hey folks you hear me talk about it all the time I sweat my ass off, and I'm, I'm not afraid to say it. And this is my go-to electrolyte mix, Element. 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium, no sugar, no gluten, no artificial ingredients, no BS. It is the real deal. And best of all, if you don't like it, give it to a friend. And Element will refund you. Special offer, free sample pack for our listeners. You can go in there, you can try out the different flavors, the ones you like the best, dial in. Uh, your personal choices. This offer is available for new and returning customers. The offer is exclusively available through partners like The Move. You won't find this offer publicly available. Head on over to drinklmnt.com slash The Move and get your free gift with purchase. Again, that's drinklmnt.com slash The Move. Exciting news. We have a new sponsor of our show today, Caldera Lab. Say goodbye to the generic face wash on your counter because Caldera Lab is here to save the day when it comes to your skin. Backed by a leading clinical trial where 9 out of 10 men experience healthier and visibly improved skin. They created a high performance men's skincare product line by combining pharmaceutical grade science along with nature's purest and most potent ingredients. You can start with the regime that includes the clean slate, the base layer, and the good. As you know, And as you age, you start to see more fine lines. I sort of wish mine were still fine lines. They're not fine anymore. Um, But anyways, also totally committed to transparency, sustainability, and excellence. Today, we have an exclusive offer for our audience, so you can try for yourself why so many men trust Caldera Lab for their skincare needs. Get 20% off. All you got to do is head to calderalab.com slash themove. Again, that's calderalab.com slash themove.
0: All right, let's jump in first talking about uh, Jonas Vingegaard. Everyone wants to see what kind of form he's on uh, heading into the Tour de France. And it was a show of absolute dominance, as Johan always says, another level. (laughs) That's the best way to describe it. There's there's Jonas Vingegaard. And then there was the rest of the Peloton for the most part. But uh, first, let's talk about that, guys. Uh, We'll start with you, Johan, what you saw with his performance leading into heading into the tour.
2: Yeah, absolutely, JB. You know, he already finished second last year in the Dauphine, Let's not forget. And I think he was the strongest rider last year. He uh, he had to wait on the last stage, I think, for uh, for Primoz Roglic, uh, who was in the lead. Um, it's clear that Vingegaard. He he started the season. You know, he started winning. Then he got his ass kicked by Bogachar in in Paris Nice. Uh, went away. Then he uh, he won very dominantly, same the same as this race, the Tour of the Basque Country. Then went to uh, to altitude for training and and came back now and and won this race. I mean, I'm not going to see say with one leg, but uh, he was he was super super strong. I think uh, if you look at his performance, he is at least right now at the level of last year's Tour de France. Um, and there was nobody really there to match him. Uh, he had a super strong team, and um all the all the I mean, he won two stages and was second in the time trial and second in the last stage. Um, but he basically did what he wanted. He he went away when he decided to, and, and nobody could follow him. And I think um, you know, it's I mean it's the confirmation that he's obviously he's the defending Tour de France champion, and this performance and this result puts him really as the big favorite for the tour de france in my opinion
0: you always wonder what i want to get your thoughts spencer but you always wonder what happens to these young tour de france winners like you go home to a different life different fame and you wonder if it gets in their head and messes them up that's happened to some riders in the past clearly not the case <laughs> with jonas vingago yeah and he kind of looks like
3: he would be overwhelmed by it. You look at him, like, I don't know if you guys like watched, he was getting flown back on a private jet to Denmark after the tour last year. And there was what well, looked like a million people waiting for him when he got off the plane. And he kind of looks overwhelmed. And he does not look, you don't look at the guy and you think this is a destroyer. But clearly, like he's stronger this year right now than he was last year at this point when he won the tour. He's clearly not missed a beat. I, I agree with Johan. He's got to be the favorite for the tour. Taddy Pogacar is hurt currently. That's not, that's not ideal. But I'd say the, the big takeaway from this race is Vinegard was strong in the time trial, stronger than it was last year in the time trial of the Dauphiné, strong on the punchy stage five. And those two things are going to be super important in the tour. I think the tour comes down to how strong are you on punchy climbs and the time trial? And it's going to be about surviving and kind of just holding serve in the high mountains. And like you showed, he's capable of, of matching anyone in the world at that right now.
0: One yeah. of the things I noticed too, he, he, he doesn't even need to attack. He he just, he can stay seated and just ride away from everybody.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially today, if you look at today, you know, that, uh, that last acceleration, he didn't stand up. He didn't get out of the saddle and it was super, super steep. But I think, you know, if, if you look at his performance and his level right now, Uh, it's obviously great to be in that kind of shape. Uh, it's, it gives you a lot of confidence. You know, nobody has to be super, super nervous. You don't have to do a race against the clock to get ready, right? There's a few others who have to do that. Uh, but still, you know, from the Dauphiné to the tour, uh, it's still a while to go. A lot of things can change. Uh, and it's a long time to maintain a certain shape. Um, add to that that with that performance uh, with that dominance uh, all the weight of the Tour de France is going to be on him and Jimbo Visma there's there's just one team and one rider who's going to be favorite it's not like there's two guys because Pogacha right now he's you know he's he's not racing we all know that he he was hurt he was in great shape until he he had that crash Uh, but he can take advantage of that, uh, you know, saying, okay, you know what? Hey, you know, I'll see, I'll see how it goes. And that's probably how he's going to have to take the race too. You know, he will have to see how it goes and take it day by day, which is sometimes a better situation than, uh, being the big favorite and having to be there day after day, being in the front, having to control the race with your team um it's not easy it's not easy especially because you know they obviously their first objective is the yellow jersey with 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 bingo but they have a lot of good riders who have their own ambitions you know they have here we have christophe laporte who is who's having the season of his life you know he already won again and another classic in belgium uh now wins two stages um obviously I think that's great for Jumbo-Visma because that's already—it's—it's it's, it's weird to say. Okay, we can already check this guy. He already has his ambitions fulfilled. He can't ask for anything in the tour, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, but they have another guy. You know, they have uh, they have Wout van Aert, who obviously is also ambitious. Will want to have his opportunities in stages. Um, it's it's not an easy situation to manage. Being on top of that, probably the only team. That everybody will look look at whenever something happens is that i say okay jumbo visma it's your race to lose
0: I, I think we can get more into uh the comparing the teams uh jumbo and uae in particular a, a, a little bit uh down the road here it's funny how we jump on for a dauphin recap we immediately start talking to we do it all <laughs> the time we do it in the spring early
2: spring yeah. we just start talking about the tour it's that's the problem of the, <laughs> i've said many times the huge, the big problem of, I mean, of the, of cycling is the tour is too important. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> the big problem. And that's why the tour has all the power. Why did, why everybody wants to be at the tour. Everybody needs to be at the tour. It It is the, uh, you know, the, 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 the platform where everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants to show their, their, their sponsors and, and how good they are. And yeah, I mean. Also, typically, you know, the Dauphiné—it's—it's it's kind of a mini Tour de France, right? It is in France, it has mountains, it has a time trial. It's the same organization uh, as the Tour. So, um, but it's clear that I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's, normally it's seen as the best preparation for the Tour.
3: I also love how Johan's takeaway is: Jonas Vingegaard is actually disadvantaged by being awesome and winning this race. <laughs> he should have broken his <laughs> wrist back in the spring. Wow. Tadej Pogacar is in the in the pole position right now.
2: Oh no, no, that's that's. that's, that's that. But 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 I mean, I'm I'm just trying to you know show the other side of the situation also, you know, because uh, there comes a time, especially now. I mean, you know, Vingegaard he was second two years ago, one last year shows I mean and he, he was he was able to beat Pogacar r- big time last year right not not just not just with a small margin he he won big time he, on the Grano and on uh Otakam uh and so yeah I mean now they have to deal with that responsibility and uh yeah I mean they have their you know Anyway, Jimbo Visma, it's their super strong team. They can do it. You know, they can do it.
0: Speaking so, of super strong, you already mentioned that Laporte had a couple of wins here. Let's talk about that, the strength of it. And one of those wins, it's just the most, if, I can't remember if it was one or three, stage one or three. I think it was the first, where you nip the guy, the breakaway with less than 100 meters to go. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Like those, if people want to go watch a highlight, those are just wonderful and painful to watch at the same time.
2: I think, I I think it was 25 meters to go, JB.
0: Yeah. Well, he
2: still got third, you know, right.
0: That's how crazy it was. It
3: was an incredible move. I mean, he was five seconds from being caught with like 15 K to go. And it was started to rain descent. I mean, it was like beautiful bike racing. And he just decided, I'm going to punch it over the top of this climb. Mm-hmm. And he just extended that lead out on the descent and he almost stole the win there. It was yeah. really impressive riding. And, and who was that again? What was the guy's name? Sorry.
2: Rune Herrehoz. Rune Herrehoz.
0: Incredible,
3: but Belgian, a heart, heartbreaker. Belgian
2: guy, Belgian guy from uh, Intermarché. So Laporte, very
0: strong. He's powerful. He can sprint. And we got a good look at Julian Alaphilippe as well, who who looked quite good in one stage too.
2: I mean, you know, for for a French rider like him, especially after the season he had, you know, I mean, uh, he did have problems. I mean, he won a, he won one race in the spring, I think, in France, and then he had that serious crash in Tour of Flanders, which basically ended his spring campaign. And uh so this this was his first race back again, right? Um, you know, Ala Philippe winning again in the Dauphiné, it's I mean it's a good sign. I think that uh, uh he's looking ahead of a good Tour de France, in my opinion. You know, the French guys, and especially a rider like Ala Philippe who, who who rides on on pure adrenaline on emotion, you know. Uh he can he can I think he's going to do a good Tour de France. I can see him, you know, win a stage in the beginning and and maybe even take the yellow jersey. Um, but um, yeah, it's good to see him back. I think, you know, I mean, people listen. The French riders, the French public loves him. Uh, he is the double world champion. Let's not forget. Uh, a few years ago, he was, I think, ten or twelve days in yellow or fourteen days in yellow in in the tour. Uh, when 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 Bernal won, and um, I don't think he's able to do that again. But um, definitely, a statement from Philippe to say, "Hey, I'm, I can still do it." You know.
0: Yeah, we should remind people of uh, what were the uh, the extent of the injuries of that bad crash he had that that kind oh, of I took, mean, set I him back.
2: It, it was, I think, it was his knee. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm I'm wrong. He did race again. He he did come back in liege Baston liege where he, you know, did uh, domestique work for, for Evanapool. Yeah. But, you know, he had that crash in Flanders and then he got, he got hurt on his knee and he had to postpone his return to competition all the time. Um, and so, Eliezer Liège, it was clear he was not at the level that he was supposed to be to, to be competitive in the front. Uh, it shows that he has done a lot of work. Uh, he's, he's gone to altitude to Sierra Nevada um south of spain and uh yeah i mean i i i like what i saw from Ala Philippe. although this is not the Philippe that we've seen in his prime but he's still good enough to to take a few stage wins
3: yeah we were kind of debating this before in the, in the pre-record the members meeting where you know, Alaphilippe won between 2018, and 2019, he won 24 pro races. That's a lot, you know, and since 2020, he's averaged a little over two wins a year. You know, two of those were world championships. So, and I think two or three or two de France stages. So he clearly can still win big races when called upon, but across the rest of the calendar, he's not as mm-hmm. dominant as it used to be. Probably some of that is the rise of riders like Laporte. Like if Christophe Laporte Never goes to yumbo. Ala Philippe probably wins more stages here. But Johan, what is going So he looked good on stage two. Uh, and I thought that was important because his, Lefebvre has always given him crap about how he sucks and he makes too much money. So good win for him. I thought he kind of like clinically finished it off. Like Laporte went into the wind. Ala Philippe went right on the wheel of Carapaz. It was just a beautiful finish. Stage three, we go from confident Ala Philippe on stage two. Stage three, he's back to bad Ala Philippe. He's In the cars, he's at the team car like for seemingly half the stage. He switches bikes, what felt like 50 times, and then just but like it's almost like he manifested a flat tire with 10k to go. Like he just kept changing bikes, thinking he had a flat, and then he's off the back going into the sprint. Is there anything to that? Like what is going on with him with these moments where he seems to just kind of love to dick around back in the team cars? It's
2: it's strange. I mean, it's you know, it's, it's he's a guy he rides on pure emotion even today, you know, if you, if you see his, his, his demeanor today, yeah. you know, he, he uh, obviously, I mean, he, he got dropped from, from Chiccone, I don't think he expected that. Uh, but, you know, I mean, listen, if you're two guys and the one guy is stronger, this guy feels he's stronger, he's going to drop you. And then he did everything he could to, to stay ahead of the, the the group of favorites, you know, I mean, he, when he was almost caught, you look back, he was like, you know, having this, this, this weird uh, reactions on his bike and then finally he got caught and he could just manage to hold on uh, but again you know he was, he was on the limit and you could see him again shaking his head he is he's a special he's a special rider I mean I, I don't want to compare you know because he's a lot a lot better a lot better but he, he does have a certain Thomas Wuckler factor <laughs> You know, like whenever the camera's there, it's like, uh, you know, a la Felipe, he's either shaking yeah. his legs or his head or looking in the camera, you know, or so. Um, well,
3: on stage seven, the camera, he was in back, wheel, it was last wheel. I mean, you would never want to ride last wheel, right? As a, as a champion of that caliber. And he's dicking around on the bike and he's looking at the camera, looking at the camera and suddenly a traffic island comes out. And he mm-hmm. almost runs into the, to the post yeah. in the traffic Island. And it's like, Absolutely this is partly why he's having so many crashes. Cause he's just <laughs> obsessed with the camera. He can't see the road.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, he is the, obviously in, I think he has the reputation of being extremely nervous in the Peloton. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's always looking around and looking behind and he's he, that's just the way he is. Uh, anyways, I think, I think that he's on the way up. Um, the stage win will have given him confidence and, you know, he's going to, he's going to go in the, into the tour for a stage win, not for the GC, for sure not. So, uh, a la Philippe in that kind of mission, I think he has a, ch- a good chance to win a stage.
3: Hmm. Yeah. And as we, sorry, JB, I was just going to say, as we talked about, we we're talking about the tour because the Dauphiné is almost like a dress rehearsal, like these still stages were kind of laid out as a lot of stages in the tour will be. So I agree. I mean, the fact that he could get a stage win here probably means so. He'll get, he'll get his uh, requisite one stage win at the tour and keep Lefebvre off his back for at least another year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, tell me what you guys know about uh, Mikhail Bjerg, uh, who won the, uh, the, the time. time trial on stage four, uh, beating out Jonas Vingegaard, in fact. But I, it's a name I n- was not very familiar with.
2: Well, I mean, if you've seen last year, last year in the tour... Uh I think it was the stage to uh not Hotakam, the stage to Peragude, which uh which was won by Pogachar. Either Pogacar or Vingegaard. They <laughs> Pogacar <laughs> won with Vingegaard and, and Brandon McNulty was third. Uh but Miklo Björk there did an amazing ride uh as a non-climber. He you know he decimated the the group Um, but this is a rider you know it's it's his fourth year professional and uh before that he was three years after each other world champion time trial in under 23. uh and now he's four years professional and this is only his first pro victory uh he was super super emotional super happy because i think that you know it, it's clear it's this very serious guy um I think, you know, for, for a team like like UAE and for a guy like Pogachar, he is, you know, he's very valuable uh, because he can ride on the flats. Um, he's not bad in the hills, but, um, you know, it's kind of, you know, for, for a, tri- a triple world champion winning his first time trial in the pros and being so emotional, I was kind of, you know, you can see that this was... He, he was super patient and he, he, he's, he had a lot of frustrating moments in those four years, I think, for him to be so emotional and be able to pull off this, uh, this first time trial, you know, and in the Dauphiné and in front of beating Jonas Lingegaard, I think it was, uh, I mean, that was a super, super nice day for him. And on top of that, he took the yellow jersey.
3: Yeah, I mean it's a tough time for time trialists, right? So you can, let's say you come in, you're U23 world champion, and then it's like, oh, well you just have to beat Filippo Ganna, Remco <laughs> Evenepoel, Primoz <laughs> Roglic, Wout van Aert. Like it's not fun trying to win time right. trials in modern cycling. I was really impressed by his pacing. Like if you look at the splits, Vindergaard right. comes through the first time check smoking, like flying. Berg was a little pedestrian, then he just got faster and faster and faster yep. every split. I guess in running you'd call that a negative split. But it was kind of an uphill drag for the last 10k, and he just smoked that 10k. Like I thought, just a really composed ride. I was really impressed. Mikko Berg is a rider I think a lot about, oddly, because so you'd think, okay, he's a time trial specialist, so he gets the win, big deal, what, whatever. But you go back, you look at his results from earlier this year: sixth at Gent-Wevelgem, that's really good. Fifteenth at Tour of Flanders, like that's very, very good. And then he wins his time trial, and you think. Like, is this guy a climber? Is he a time trialist? Is he a classics writer? It almost feels like it's like Mateo Jorgensen or, or some someone like that, where you feel like he could just choose his own adventure as he goes forward. Like, where do you see him going? Johan and JB
2: from here. Who, hmm. um, Berg. Bjerk. Well, I mean, I think, you know, he's obviously, I think he's good at UAE where, where he, where he is right now. He's very, very valued there. Very, very appreciated. So um, I think he's going to stay in that role, you know, um, once in a while having his chance for, for a stage win and, in, in in some secondary races and like, I mean, it's, it's hard to call Dauphiné a secondary race. Um, but I, I personally think that, um, that this is, this is going to be his, his role kind of super, super domestique with sometimes the freedom to go, uh, to go for a win, you know? Another little detail is he's married to a uh, professional cyclist, Emma Norsgaard, who's a Danish rider on Movistar, very fast sprinter. Uh, so it's, it's uh, you know, it's very definitely a cycling family. Wow.
0: That's a, I, you know, I never thought about this before, but that's an, a really interesting and cool place to be if you're a time trial specialist and a super domestique, right? Because when you do get those stage races and the time trial, you, you can race for yourself. Well, a lot, yeah. a lot of, a lot of really good domestiques don't get that opportunity yeah. if you, when you can time trial, you get yeah. to cut cut loose, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, as long as you're back, uh, you know, ready to be on duty for the day after, you know, and you have not right. emptied yourself. Uh, well, yeah.
3: And the next day, so he crashes, uh, with like 10 K to go in the next stage in the yellow Jersey, in the Dauphiné, pretty big yeah. race. And the team just leaves them. They're pacing for Adam Yates on the front. Yeah. So I yeah. think it was like a quick trip back to reality for, for Berg.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, I think personally he was he was confident he could keep it. Um, which, you know, it's, at the end of the day, you see how, how big those, you know, little things are even, you know, like even if you know you're not going to be winning the Dauphiné, but, you know, just one more day in the yellow jersey in the Dauphiné for him would have been... A great performance and he was fighting like a lion for it you know uh unfortunately he got taken out i think by another rider um at the bottom of the last climb and um but yeah i mean i think with that kind of with that kind of shape we're going to see michael Björk and the tour setting the pace on some of the climbs
0: all right and let's talk about uh, stage six zimmerman gets a win and that's uh the first this season for intermarche where we were talking about Intermarche a lot last year uh, yeah. in the spring season.
2: Yeah. This year, not so much Spencer.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I think so. We said in the previous show, maybe we either said they're going to have a great year or bad year. I'm pretty sure we identified that they had a, a large outflow of PCS points and did not have a good net you know, rating mm-hmm. there at the beginning of the year. And we flagged that as a little bit of an issue. Yeah. I think that's hurt them. I also, they've had, they had like COVID for the whole Giro, maybe like the whole team had COVID. So could be illness. It is like Louis Menchies is actually riding really well, but in terms of getting wins, it also doesn't help that Biniam Gurmaet is just not had a good year.
2: Well, he got were- hurt. He, he got, he got a terrible, terrible crash in Tour of Flanders. Um, he came back, uh, in one of those races in Belgium and, uh, his first race back he was pretty impressive there i saw him do something there on the on the mirror of the mirror of uh, Gramont, uh which was which was quite impressive so i think guilmai is going to be ready for the tour um but yeah for now i think you know i mean they're still up there you know they're still i would have to check but i'm probably probably like seventh eighth or ninth in the teams
3: yeah the Team I mean they're clearly good George Zimmerman like they're just pulling yeah. these guys out of nowhere and winning yeah. stage and world tour races. It's really impressive,
2: yeah um i think um he's he's German, right
3: yeah, he's German he i mean this is his second pro win, which I was actually surprised to see his first pro win was Tour de' Lan in two thousand twenty one okay, I don't know if many I was wondering like does anyone in the breakaway know that this guy's going to beat them if they take yeah, him to the line? Like, I don't think they were watching tour de Lan in, in twenty
2: twenty-one. he's a good climber. He's a good climber. He is. A yeah.
3: Good climber. yeah. And, um, well, should
2: we talk about stage five
3: really quick where Vindergaard won? He, uh, that was,
2: that was impressive because that was not like a real mound stage and he, you know, the way he went, I mean, first of all, I was, I was surprised to see that attack from Carapaz. um, I don't know. Uh obviously he came from he he comes from a period of no races. Obviously has been training a lot at the altitude. Uh had won uh, a race just before the Dauphine, the Mercant Tour, Mercant Tour Classic or something in in um in the Alps or in the Alp Maritime. And um you know the competition was not super there uh but obviously he thought he was in great shape and and that attack he did uh on that stage five was was first quite impressive uh dropped everybody but uh but Vingegaard and vingegor was just staying on the wheel and i said what is carapaz doing he was just pulling him for more than a kilometer um I really didn't understand. And then basically he just launched the attack of Ving who just left him behind. and, And then, you know, Vingigo, I think, I think Vingigo was surprised himself that he was by himself. Uh, but once he saw that, he just, you know, head down and went full gas to the finish, uh, with 20k to go. So that was that was, you know, a sign on the wall that this was gonna be the Vingigo show,
3: you know. Kind of reminded me of Garren Thomas leading out Mark Cavendish at the last day of this Euro, where it's like, (laughs) oh, it's just heartwarming to see Richard Carapaz leading out his good friend, (laughs) Jonas Finnegard for the stage win. I mean, it was, it did show, you could watch this race and say, why didn't anyone attack Finnegard? What's their problem? Like they rode through those last three mountain stages, just glued to his wheel. Well, this is why, because Carapaz tried it and he was probably thinking during that kilometer he's on the front, like, I'm going to drop this guy. I'm Richard Carapaz. I'm the man. And then it's like, oh no, oh no, what have I done? And then you know he ended up losing time be- from the group, the chase group, because he was probably in a hole from that attack. And yeah. this is a Exhibit A of why you won't see many people try to attack Vingegaard
2: uh, you know, at this
3: Dauphiné or at the Tour.
2: Finally, if I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Carapaz started the Dauphiné with with big morale. You know, thinking of doing something in the NGC. He made that mistake attacking Vingegaard. Finally, ends up in the GC after eight stages 33 minutes down that's you know that's what happens you know when you're when you're over motivated and overconfident uh you know i had a i had a discussion with uh you know a south american uh cycling commentator and uh you know he, he said ah you know i see a lot of criticism uh but you know i applaud Carapaz. For attacking and giving us the chills and you know giving giving us the the passion i said listen you don't do anything with that you know i mean I, I, I would i would want you to ask his team what they think what he did if that was if they like it ask himself ask it to himself if he likes the result you know and we didn't see any more richard carapace attacks after that it was like okay Back with your two feet on the ground into, in reality and, you know, just try to survive. Man, that's, a, that's
0: such a tough thing for a rider. Like, and you've been at the level that Carapaz has. Because what's your alternative to sit there and wait for a, a moment of weakness with Vingago, which isn't going to happen?
2: I mean, and... you know, you could, you could say, okay, listen, you know, I'm, I'm coming back into competition. Um, I don't know where my form is. I'm just going to try to follow the best, end up with a top 10. You know, I'm pretty sure that's better for the morale going Mm. towards the tour than, you know, doing this risky, you know, risky attack and then blow up and and finishing 33 minutes down. You know, Carapaz goes home now with a lot of questions in his head. Well, question number one, Johan. Is he even riding
3: for the GC at the tour, or is this just yeah. is he stage wins at this tour? I mean, I I would have a hard time. walking. I know every time you mention Carapaz, I'm going to get like 15 emails.
2: But <laughs> yeah, I know It's is, is <laughs> very, a, popular. You, you're very, very allowed, popular. You're not allowed. You're not. I mean, it's, I mean, listen, uh, trust me. I have the La Movida afterwards. I'm going to say the same <laughs> thing. They're going to and they're going to come after me so hard. <laughs> Or you know, saying who do you think you are? Our, our Richard, you know, our Olympic champion. But um, no, yeah. You know, mean, what's
0: what's the best plan for EF in the tour? That's a good question.
2: It's still listen. It's still there is. It doesn't mean that if you don't do a good Dauphiné that you you cannot be good in the tour. Um, but honestly, I would be worried. <laughs> I would be worried if 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 you have to make up so much. Between now and the Tour de France, getting on the podium, that's going to be... I mean, I think that's his goal. You know, he knows he can't win. He, they will say, okay, we'll go for the win, but he, he's not going to win. There's no way he's going to win, unless all the others crash out. But well, here's uh, the case... Oh, sorry, go ahead. But, but I, think, I think that his goal is going to be third. Like he did two years ago, behind Vingegaard and, and Pogacar.
3: He's not the same rider though. He's just fundamentally a different rider. And like what the case you would make for him is, well, this Dauphiné was very heavily weighted towards the TT. The tour has less time trial kilometers than this Dauphiné. Therefore, Carapaz will be fine. But this is what I would flag as a major issue. If you go through the time splits of that time trial, Carapaz, I think it was Carapaz, Landa, Moss, goddu all had their worst time split on the uphill section of the time trial. You know, that's not... A Watts, like that's not just Watts monsters doing their thing. Like in the Tour de France time trial, has the final half of the time trial is uphill. So, like, how are they going to solve that problem between now and then?
2: Plus, plus Spencer, if you look back two years ago when Carapaz was third in the tour, he came off winning the Tour of Switzerland his last preparation race yeah and he
3: was very I, I vividly remember that was the last time I was excited watching the Tour of Switzerland yeah. <laughs> he was very yeah. good at that so race he won the
2: Tour of Switzerland you know the, you either ride Dauphiné or Tour of Switzerland it's clear that if Carapaz right now he wouldn't have ridden the Dauphiné and he would be in the Tour of Switzerland there is no way he could win it with this kind of form so that's a reason to be concerned
0: is it my imagination uh, playing with me, or is it becoming more popular to do time trials that have some, some either lumpy or an uphill towards the end? Is that gaining popularity, or is it always been
2: around? Uh, I think we're. I think we're. We just have fresh in our mind, of course, the the time trial of the of the Giro, um, but you know the, the 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 time trial in the Tour is. It's not really a time trial. It's it's a it's a climbing time trial. You know, and there's there's how long is it? Is it what is it like twenty K or something?
3: Twenty one K. And then the last half is basically a climb. Uh-huh. Yeah. Not as crazy as what we saw at the Giro, but similar. Right.
2: Well, it's the, obviously JB, it's obviously also designed to try to have a French guy closer to the podium.
3: <laughs> well, they're <laughs> almost they're almost hurting their chances. They That's, should
2: well, I mean, okay, you know what? I mean, for a guy like Godu, who is obviously their best shot, it's better to have a time trial like this than having two flat time trials, even short. I mean, two times twenty kilometers time trial. I and mean, look, he lost two and a half minutes in in a in a forty-kilometer time trial. You know, so um, that's I also obviously, that's obviously better for Godu than uh, they. I mean, I don't think they could justify. No time trial. That's, I think that's not, that would be a bit too much, a bit too obvious.
3: <laughs> that would be awesome, by the way. No high mountains, no time trial. I want to see that tour. But if you go back to like Johan, when Johan was reigning over the tour, it, those, I mean, those had a lot of time trials. Like I was reading about the 2007 tour this morning. And there was like, oh, no one was worried because there was 110 kilometers of time trial remaining after the first time trial. I don't think people look back fondly on that. I think Jean-Marie LeBlanc went a little time trial crazy. And so they're trying to maybe get away from that
0: JB, which is why you're noticing some more exciting time trials. You know, that just says a lot about you. What you just said, Spencer, you're a unique person. (laughs) This morning I was reading about the 2007 tour. (laughs) You are a freak. Okay, And that's what makes this show so good. I'm I think- walking around thinking about
3: Mikael Berg. What can this guy be in five years' time? I love I it. Think, what- I
2: think when I did uh, my first or my second tour de France, I think uh, there was one time trial of 50-something kilometers and another one of 72.
3: <laughs> that would be crazy. Wow. That, what that were that the was, time gaps the, in that?
2: That was the norm. That was the, that was the way it was. Was you know, 50, 50 kilometers, 50 kilometers, or you know, the 72 kilometers. I think Raul Alcala won that time trial actually. Um climber. <laughs> um but uh and then it's it's been going down gradually, you know. Uh some some years it's been one team time trial and one time trial. Um and, and until now, you know, I mean now it's this one short one time trial, and it's 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 not even a pure time trial, it's 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 uphill. For the last part so
0: all right again i'm, I'm using all the, re- the restraint i have in in my body to, to not start doing tour de france predictions and breakdowns we'll do that we'll get to that in a minute let's uh kind of wrap up this dauphiné with any other i know you always have a list spencer of other parting thoughts observations from this dauphiné i would almost say the rest of like so stage so we saw stage five the carapaz
3: debacle the boondoggle Stage six, seven, and eight were almost just a response to that. Where I was shocked how, how, how tranquilo it was. Nothing happened. Like George Zimmerman wins out of the break stage six. Vinagard at- attacks. Cause he's sick of attacking people, attacking him at the, in the final, he just rolls over looking so, so relaxed. Um, it was kind of scary. Like if you're not a Vinagard fan, you don't want to see that stage seven. He wins really impressive. Just dominates everyone on the, I think that's the first time I've ever seen a race finish on the Col de la Croix Faire. Is that right, uh, Johanna?
2: Yeah, me, too. me, I, I don't remember either. And I think it's even a different side of it. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I've never seen. I've I've seen one time a race finish on the Glandon, which is called the Glandon, which is a different side of the Croix de Fer, actually, if I'm not mistaken. I don't want to say anything stupid, but I think I think that's the case. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, I mean Spencer, listen. I think I think you know the fact you say you know you was, you were shocked that nobody that nothing happened or nobody tried. It's the same as always, Spencer. Nobody can, you know, nobody can. I mean that when when in this race when von Barla was done with his job. You know Dylan von Barla, the classic specialist, when he was done, and he's been riding in the mountains, you know, for, like forever in this Dauphiné, There were thirty guys left. You know, and then a guy like uh, a guy like Tich um, Pinot takes over, or or Attila Walter, and they're down. They're down to, to to ten guys, and 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 you know nobody nobody was able to attack, and and especially. You know, if you, if you see, if you see what Ving... I think a lot of guys have seen the replay of Vingegaard and Carapace, right? And said, hey, if I attack here, I'm going to be ridiculous. You know I mean? He's going to come <laughs> fly past and, you know, take the stickers off my bike.
3: <laughs> well, I guess Adam Yates was a little spicy today, but as he was always staying within himself. Same thing on yeah. Cote de la Coiffure, like... Vineyard went, Yates didn't even attempt to respond to it. It was very, he's a very smart rider. That was, that was the right decision. Yeah. Um, he looked good. Chicone wins the stage. Chicone secretly just like beating unbeatable riders all season long. He beat Roglic and uh, Ebenopole in an uphill finish a couple months ago at a race of Valenciana, perhaps something I'm like
2: that. Catalonia.
3: And, um, and then just the rest of my notes are like, I was surprised how good the Australians were. Um, O'Connor, Henley, Haig, Yohan Martin, the Frenchman was very good. And then I was also surprised how bad uh, Carapaz, Landa, Guadu, Enric Moss were. I mean, to me, those guys, especially Moss, like he's been putting it all towards this Tour de France. He looked but good also, to start but also
2: But also Landa, Landa was also really not good.
3: Like shock, shockingly not good. I would say from all those guys. I, I, I am,
2: I am really, really surprised uh, that, about Godus' bad performance because let's not forget, you know, this guy was able to follow Bogachar and Vingegaard in paris He he finished actually second in Paris-Nice. He was better than Vingegaard, and so and he- I don't know what went wrong there. I mean, the the you know they obviously you know the the, the French teams and especially. You know, uh God's team manager, Mark Madio, you know, has been complaining about, yeah, you know, there always has altitude and this and that now they're going at altitude. and it's it seems it doesn't really work for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't
3: want to be unkind. I just watched Tour de France unchained last night. The Netflix documentary it's it's pretty good. I would recommend watching it. But one thing that sticks out, and I don't want to it's I don't want to just be like, oh, I'm just slamming French teams, but the I was shocked at the lack of any useful information those riders are getting from their team manager. Um, it was kind of ridiculous. It's almost like, was this, is this a spoof of a Tour de France documentary to like show how poorly some of these teams are run? So it does not shock me that they just discovered altitude, even though they live in France. And there's the Alps there, <laughs> the root word of altitude. <laughs> and they, I wouldn't be shocked if they're at altitude and they're just screwing everything up because they're not... They're not know. used to methodically I mean, approaching that.
2: It's strange because Godou, you know, Godou was a huge talent. He won the Tour de l'Avenir, you know, like super dominantly. Uh, okay, he finished fifth last year in the Tour, right? So let's not forget that. And he was second in Paris Nice. Uh, I also watched a few episodes of the of the documentary, and when I see when I see a guy like. Uh, Madio, and then you know there's another friend another French director there and a few other team managers, you know I, I just you know to stay where they are, they just have you just have to be a good talker. These guys are great talkers, you know, like they talk, 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 they have a great way of you know talking, but makes no sense, you know, Madio is fucking the king of talking bullshit, you know? I mean, <laughs> he's just always there yelling and this and and preaching. But does, does it really bring them something?
3: No. And there's like a stage, the stage Bob Youngles won, which Beno kind of started, by the way. It never should have happened. That was ridiculous yeah. to see. Yeah. But yeah. Youngles is up there. You want to give him prescriptive advice. You know, 15K flat, 20-minute effort at this wattage. The climb starts, try to get away before the climb. No, they're not doing any of that. They're just screaming in his ear. Like, yeah. I, I would not be able to keep the earpiece in if I was him.
2: Well, Bob Jungers was saying that, by the way. You know, he, he said, you know, he, uh, the DS was super, super passionate. And he was yelling. He was always screaming his ear off. Um, But anyways, I think I think these guys, don't think Carapaz, Landa, Godu, they're going back home or whatever wherever they're going back to altitude after this dauphine uh, not feeling that great you know i mean it's it's they cannot feel great i mean the, even if they're not level or if they're not up there with with you know the top guys but at least at least be close you know you need to be yeah. close
3: Well, we, so we saw Garrett Thomas go from, I thought pretty bad at the tour of the Alps. Maybe I need to rewatch that race and look for hints of Thomas form to very good at the Giro. Have you guys ever seen someone look as bad as these riders at the Dauphiné and then have like a competitive tour? Is is there like precedent for that? That's, That's a huge
2: precedent for that one. A huge precedent for that one. But, you know, it was other times, you know, there were other things going on in cycling. Uh, but I, I don't remember it was the tour of uh, yeah w- I'm gonna say it's probably at yeah, the tour of '89. Greg Lamont was almost out of the time limit in the tu- in the tour of Italy. Uh, and won the Tour de France five weeks later, or you know Tour de France started five weeks later, and he was yeah, look- I, I I know from the, a guy who was because uh, Fignon won that Giro. And, you know, one of the guys who was with him said, you know, he was always struggling in the the Gruppetto and and almost not making the time cut. And then he improved, improved. He was second in the last time trial of that Giro, but was, you know, saved sometimes by reportedly, allegedly hanging on the car in the Gruppetto. uh, And then wins the Tour, you know, uh, on the last day on the Champs-Élysées with eight seconds. So it has happened before.
3: We're going to, we're going to leave that one right there, but, but <laughs> just another, another question I have for you guys, just to go back to Johan's, um, uh, saying Jonas Vindergaard screwed. He can't win the tour because he just won this race. It, oh, it is I, tricky because I, never, I, never said that. No, I know I'm not messing with you, <laughs> but it's tricky because the opening stages of this tour are hard. Like it comes in with a bang. There's no riding into this race. Oh. So clearly Vinegard's in a good position. All right. Hold, hold
0: all this, hold all this, Spencer. I know okay. we're, we're so anxious to talk about the tour. Let's take it a, just a, a, a quick moment here. Okay. And check in with Lance and a couple of our partners with some special offers. And then we'll, we'll get into the tour.
1: Our next partner has a product that I literally use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens. Gosh, been a couple years now. I really wanted better gut health, more energy, and I kind of hated taking pills and vitamins. I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. So what is this stuff? 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day off just right, all for less than 3 bucks a day. It's really about taking control of your health. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Let's make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your free first purchase. All you got to do is head to athleticgreens.com/slash the move. Again, that's athleticgreens.com/slash the move. Let's talk about HVMN. All right, we're talking about the company that has. Uh, that has really perfected this idea of ketones and ketone esters. Uh, this has also become a, a, real, a part of our daily uh, protocol, not just myself and George, but our friend J.B. Hager. He was laying around, thought he had, you know, COVID brain. HPMN and ketone IQ snapped him right out of it. Um, we often hear that fasting and exercise are good for the brain. There's so many other ways to do it. By the way, the, the ketone IQ has the ability to cross the blood-brain barrier, which is... Uh, it is pretty unique um, and also uh, used by the special forces, uh, not just here in the United States, but around the world. And, and as well as we talk about all the time, 60% of the uh, reportedly and upwards of 60% of the Peloton is using the Ketone IQ from HVMN. Head on over to HVMN.com, use the promo code THE MOVE. Check out that saves you 20%. Again, that's HVMN.com and the promo code is THE MOVE. All right, you, you guys are like sled dogs. I have to hold back,
0: <laughs> you know, of, of, of just taking off talking about the tour because you love it so much. Now let's get into this. And what came to mind with me is, you know, you usually have uh, the the tour favorites do Dauphiné or Tour de Suisse in preparation. Pogacar has, you know, it, the injury. He's thrown off. He's not going to do Tour of Slovenia leading up to it. And then you, we saw this just dominant. Uh, Vingago. So now we're seeing a really unique position where two guys were head to head and on any given day, you could say one is a favorite. What do you guys think now? Go first, Spencer, because I cut you off.
3: (laughs) It's, it's gotta be, it's the logical choice is Vinegard. I mean, I guess we'll get into this when we do our outcomes uh, GC prediction. I would almost zag though and say Pogacar. It sounds crazy, but Vindigard's clearly positioned well for these bass country stages that kick off the tour, but the tour is three weeks long and you got to be good for those whole three weeks. The time trials late in the race. I almost think if, if Pogacar can just be good enough to follow wheels and not lose time, he you do not have to take time in those opening stages, just get through it. I I thought he was way too, he came in way too hot to the tour last year. You know, if you remember, he was sprinting for every stage earning a lot of energy. I thought he kind of ran out of juice a little bit at the end. This could be like the inverted pyramid for him where he starts going in. He's surviving through the beginning and then no pressure on him, right? Whatsoever. This guy just broke his wrist. He just got back on the bike. You on his Like yumbo. They've never caved under pressure. Right? So that all that pressure is going to be on them. And I think it kind of benefits Pagachar as Johan was saying in the beginning of the, of the episode.
2: It could be a blessing. It could be a blessing uh, if Pogacar, you know, let's say he, obviously, listen, no matter what, he's going to be in in good shape at the start of the tour. He is Pogachar, you know, he's, <laughs> it's not like he broke a leg or, you know, he broke his wrist. So he's been, he, he has not sat still, right? Um, if he can use that to his advantage by, you know, not being in top shape also makes you ride a bit differently. You have to kind of save yourself a little bit more, you know, not waste. If you're super strong the first week, you know, I mean, it's super, super nervous. You, you lose a few positions, you're right to the front, you know, in the wind. You just, you don't care because you're so strong. But maybe now you have to pay attention a little bit to those things. And that could actually be a benefit in the third week. You know, riding economically, riding more conservatively, you know, in the beginning if he can do that because it goes a bit against his nature but maybe he j- he'll he'll he'll, ha- he'll be forced to do that because he's not going to be good enough in the beginning now
0: now you make me wonder does does jumbo and vingago want to get time in the first week oh, is absolutely. that would be the plan right before absolutely. he races yeah. into
2: form kill 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 him while it's while it's possible absolutely you know they they and they're going to try to they're going to try to take time on him early on, knowing that, you know, or thinking at least, because they won't know until he shows up, right? Um, but, um, but, yeah, I think uh, the first week will be interesting. They're going to try, they, try to take time on him. Um, but you know what, Listen, the tour is so different to any other race, you know? I mean, you can show up in great shape and so many things happen in the first week. We've all seen it, you know? We hope nothing happens to any of the favorites, but this is also part of, and it's a big factor, you know. In in, in the tour, especially, you can you can have a problem in the first week and you're done. You know, you have to t- you have to take it take that into account. So, I think I think most of those guys who are there for like you know podium place or fifth or you know, they all think, hey, I need to be as good as I can because those guys in front of me, something can happen to them. You need to take that into, into, into your mind.
3: Who do you think has the, I'm just looking at the stages of this Dauphiné that just happened. So Yumbo wins half the stages in the race. Pretty impressive. Loses Steven Croyswick, UAE clearly strong. Adam Yates in second. Miko Berg winning the time trial. Like who do you think has the stronger team, Johan? Going into that.
2: I think this year UAE has the very strong team too. Uh, especially because I see some guys, um, obviously they add Adam Yates, which is, which is great. Micah is Micah, uh, Trentin is in good shape. Um, you know, so he, he, he'll, I mean, he was, yeah, he, he fell out last year, last moment, I think for COVID. Um, and Mark Hirsch, seems to be in good shape again you know, who was, last year, he was basically invisible. Um, and then they still have Mark Soler. And um, I, I think they're worth each other. You know, uh, we've seen, we've seen more from Jumbo Visma because they were riding around uh, Vingegaard and around uh, Roglic. I mean, I, yeah, well, I, anyways, and they were, they were pretty strong in the Giro too, uh, Jimbo. So I think they, they're worth each other, man. Uh those two those two teams.
3: Well, here's what's crazy. So Chikane wins today's stage. Attila Walter, who is just doing teamwork for Jonas Windegaard, finishes four seconds behind Enric Maas in 16th place. And Enric Maas is going for GC. Mm-hmm. So Volter's clearly at a really high level. And that's just like a I don't want to like, the guy's a great rider. That's like basically a throwaway domestique for them. I I bet No, no, he's he not he's not select
2: him. he's not selected for the tour. Right now. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen and happen with Christ wake out or whatever may happen now, but he's not in, in initially, he's not in the final eight for the
3: tour de France. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and now he'll be going, right?
2: I think, or, I think, he'll, I think he'll be going, I, I would definitely take him.
0: And, and refresh my memory Johan, like, what is, what is the, if there is a deadline for your announcement for a team, uh, for the oh, you, can,
2: you can do it till you can do it till the, the, the day before
0: okay okay but they usually do some kind of ceremonial announcement that's but yeah. it's nothing etched in stone
2: no you have to normally you have to give uh eight eight riders and four spare like and and whoever you put in has to be on uh, within those four spare if, if gotcha. you somebody falls out okay Although I think that at some point they can. All, I mean, I can't imagine that Jumbo Visma did that for the Giro because they lost five riders the week before, uh, and and the young British guy Thomas Glock, came was arrived at the hotel at midnight the day before the race, and I'm pretty sure he was not on the on on the first list of the twelve names. Huh, but you can, you can you can change them until the the day before.
0: Okay. And then who are we going to see, get a really good look at in the, in the tour of Switzerland, which we'll be also be covering.
3: Yeah. The guy who's definitely doing the tour, but Johan doesn't think he's
0: doing the tour.
2: (laughs) Remco?
3: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. He's definitely doing it.
0: (laughs)
2: We're we're still pushing for that.
3: (laughs) Why would he be at the tour to Switzerland if he's not?
2: No, he's not. He's not doing the tour. So- <laughs> <laughs> he's doing the tour. <laughs> well, we'll see. He's not. <laughs> uh, obviously, you know, obviously, uh, Walt Von Art starts again. That's going to be, in my opinion, the same kind of theme role as Christophe Laporte, only a bit more. I mean, you know, I, I, you can expect the same from Van Aert, uh, but just add 50 watts. Add 50 watts to the laporte performance and that's fun art uh so you know he's going for the time trial i think actually it starts today right with a prologue yeah we're like uh, missing it's happening <laughs> literally as we're speaking oh, okay okay um so yeah i mean and then uh, uh from the tour the tour de france riders uh i don't know who else um if if is Pitcock riding the tour of Switzerland?
3: Yeah, it's frankly kind of a weak field. I feel like these races maybe are losing. Uh, some of it is injury, you know, like or Roglic just did the zero. Pogatra's out, but Pogacar doesn't normally do one of these two races. Uh-huh. So you don't get the G C looks that maybe you used to get. Um, you get yeah. Pitcock, I'm excited to see how he does. Um Roman Gregory's there, who whom I'm excited to see, like at a at a big race. Is it, isn't he like 19 years old or something, yeah. Johan? Yeah, yeah. A really good rider. He is really good, yeah. And I mean, I, I'm just assuming Rimco's going to win this as far as the GC goes. But are we, I know I say this, maybe every race, are we sure Wout Van Aert can't win the GC? Oh, he's not going to go for GC. Um, they I need think... to give him the Cancellar Switzerland route where they took out all the mountains.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, that was impressive. Um, yeah, other than that, I don't know. Um, I don't know if we're gonna see anybody else, uh, from GC, but you know, and then the question is also, what is GC? Who are GC guys in the tour? You know, you have, you have, I mean, initially, I would have said, you know, it's, it's, it's Vingegaard, uh, Carapaz because you know, he was third, but Carapaz right now doesn't seem like, I mean, who, if you look at it, who, who's gonna be third in the tour or who's, who has a shot at third?
3: Yeah, I mean I it's wide open. I yeah. mean, I don't I don't really have a I, great Menno, answer. I mean, I
2: Corner looked good, you know.
3: And who is Ineos's leader for the tour? I mean, Egan Bernal is not. He was actually at all those riders I mentioned that I was disappointed in, Bernal was better than them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty impressive coming off the injury, but I think clearly he's not going to be able to compete for the podium. No. Like no. what's their plan for a for a
2: podium? I think it's Bitcock.
3: Hickok, that's intriguing. I'm I'm excited to see then how he does it Switzerland because we've never seen him go for GC, right?
2: Normally, normally it would be also Dani Martinez would be, but also disappointing in this yeah. in this Dauphiné. So uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, there's not that many guys who can say we can be on the podium, you know. So all these guys like Enric Mascarapaz, Landa, Godú, they're still in with a shot for the podium, even if they're Performing not so good right now.
0: Yeah, what happened to Mas? Early spring, he looked incredible. Yeah, just maybe yeah. a
2: little burned out. Uh, maybe Is Vlasov at the Tour of Switzerland.
3: Man, Vlasov, what is he doing these days?
2: <laughs> well, he, he 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 dropped out with COVID out of the Giro. Oh
3: yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Because then and he had that. Early, he did like early. Alps, and he went straight to Liège. He's not. He's on. He's not at this year. He's not at the Switzerland, which mm-hmm. is weird because he could win it.
2: But maybe, um, maybe they're saving him for the tour.
3: Yeah. I mean, they don't. Yeah. I could see that. Also, quick question. What is wrong with Americans? So GC at the Dauphiné. Third, Ben O'Connor, Australian. Fourth, Jai Henley. Jai Henley actually watched him for the podium at the tour.
2: I was just going to say.
3: Yeah. yeah. Fifth, Jack Hake. Three Australians in the top five. It's like smaller than the state of California. What is going on? Why are they just like ripping through the pro peloton and the Americans aren't.
2: Well, there's not that many good Americans. But, but if you I ask, Johan,
0: usually the answer is because they're weird.
2: <laughs> no, actually, the good Americans, the good Americans right now are not weirdos. I mean, the, <laughs> Nielsen, <laughs> Nielsen Paulus, as far as I can tell, is not a weirdo. Mateo Jorgensen, as far as I can tell, is not a weirdo. Uh,
3: He's weird in the right way. But like uh, I think he like uh, rode across like multiple states in the middle of winter Ma- last year.
2: Ma- Matthew Ricciello is not a weirdo either. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know, man. I don't know what's happening.
3: And it's impressive. There, it's all on foreign teams. I mean, it's AG2R. O'Connor is, is AG2R's best GC rider. Bora and Bahrain. I mean, it's. That's hard to do. Go into a foreign team and just Mm -hmm. take over the GC leadership.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was also nice. I mean, it was interesting to see Ben O'Connor, you know, him telling he he arrives at the French team, doesn't speak any French.
3: And I think Lance Armstrong said that was maybe a benefit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just couldn't hear just anything. <laughs> just live in your little silo yeah. right
2: I'm, yeah. I'm i'm really 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 surprised to see that these guys are that, that, that those staff members i mean they, they don't speak a word of english no like no you i don't i'm sure you know just you know you're screwed you know they don't speak a word of english nothing
0: Hmm. You think the the writers would pick up foreign languages quicker today with all the tools at their disposal and apps and quick lookups on your phone, as whereas opposed to in your area you had to pull out a dictionary and find the word.
2: <laughs> I I learned Spanish with cassettes.
0: With yeah, cassettes. <laughs> it's
2: not a I, I talked to
3: Larry Warbus who joined AG2R, and as Johan's said, there's no English, so better learn French, buddy. And yeah. he just for three months, I think it was like October to. December just went to a French language school in Nice like all day every day, and then he had to be fluent by January, or at least know enough to to get through a day in the life. And and he he
2: does pretty well with the language, I think.
3: Yeah, I think he had lived in Nice too. But also, obviously,
2: also especially when you're an English speaker, you know, you you really don't need to speak any other language because normally, almost everybody speaks English, or at least has you know some kind of way of communicating in English. You know french there's not that many people in the world who speak french you know
0: yeah well um i think on and that, that this note we'll kind of wrap things up we're going to be back this crew for a tour of switzerland recap and then the tour is right around the corner i mean we're <laughs> literally starting to pull things out uh in uh, gear wise and getting ready to to head to colorado to do our coverage from there i'm really looking forward to that and spencer i think you're coming you're coming up from Boulder to Aspen to, to do some kickoff with us, right? Yeah, I think I'll be on the preview show the day before the race. So excited decided to get up to Aspen for that. Yeah, that's going to be cool. awesome. So uh, we'll wrap up. Again, we'll be back next weekend, a week from now, for the Tour of Switzerland. As you mentioned, started today with the prologue. We'll probably go jump over and watch that. Uh, but thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, Johan and Spencer, for your time
1: and knowledge. Greatly appreciated. And we'll talk soon. Thanks, JB. Thanks, let's talk about sleep. More specifically, let's talk about Helix sleep. As you all know, so, so many of y'all listeners out there are pushing yourself hard, whether it's on the bike or on the running trail or in the pool or in the gym. And sleep is one. That's the best hack I've ever come up with. And fortunately, my entire life, I've been a good sleeper. But guess what? It's gotten a lot better because I only sleep on a Helix mattress. Here's a question for you. How long have you had your mattress? How has your sleep improved? Well, now we have an answer to it. With Helix, you go on their website, take a two-minute sleep quiz, talk about your sleep, talk about the characteristics of what you like and what you don't like, what you'd like to improve, and voila, you have a totally custom mattress shipped directly to you. And by the way, don't forget the little ones. Helix Sleep has kids' mattresses specifically designed for children 3 to 12 years old. Check this out as well. Parents Magazine just named it the best mattress winner for their little ones out there and also Wired Magazine and GQ Magazine named Helix Sleep one of the best mattresses on the market. Helix Sleep is offering up to 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash themove. Again, that's helixsleep.com slash themove.